Ricochet is my boyfriend, but Finn Balor could get it. And welcome back to Summer Twilight Book Club, the podcast where your favorite dynamic duo put their very expensive graduate education to truly questionable use by analyzing the four horniest books of their teenage years and digging up evidence of Bella Swan's car crash fetish. Possibly <laughs> also whore. Jury's still out. Oh, on that. definitely. De- okay, definitely all right. Definitely whore. Um, anyway, I'm Sahana, and I use she/her pronouns. And I'm Kat, and I use they/them pronouns. So before we jump into the episode, though, we'd like to take a moment. To acknowledge that at the time of recording, this is a national holiday. It certainly is, it's a, it's a momentous occasion. It is a cause for fucking celebration. It is our 12-year Facebook friendiversary. Uh, you heard that right. 12 years. Or, as Facebook called it, Cat and Sahana Day. Um, you may hear Juniper excitedly squeaking her sushi toy in celebration of Cat and Sahana Day. She's really fucking happy. Yeah. Uh, so that's how she would go about celebrating uh, Cat and Sahana Day. But, like, how else would you go about doing that? Um, get really high and make s'mores. Uh, destroy a man's life with our combined power. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe steal a racist sign off of someone's door. Uh, except that didn't happen. Wow, that is loud. Yeah, she <laughs> she really loves her sushi. <laughs> um... It, like, is hurting my ears. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Juniper. Um. Yeah, but that didn't happen. We didn't We didn't steal anything. We've never stolen anything from any racist white bitch ever. We would never. No, we haven't done that multiple times. Um. Uh. We could prove that nobody's straight at the club. That's another Grow way up. we could celebrate. Grow up. Nobody's straight at the club. Um, oh yeah, the possibility is really endless here. Yeah, but for real, I have now known you for over half of my life, which is kind of amazing because you've seen me at my most embarrassing. Um, like you, you read my zanga, and I did. you saw me sing an Evanescence song at our middle school talent show, and you somehow oh. still love me. Well, so I did forget about that. Is so true that's, for- that might be a part of it. You're welcome. <laughs> oh no, should I not have brought it up? Are we not friends anymore? Fuck. What song did you sing? Um, that's a really good question. I'm gonna think on it, and I'll let you know. The fact that I don't remember- It was definitely My Immortal, right? It was not My Immortal. I know that for sure. Um- What was that one song that was called, like, Hello or something? By Evanescence? I don't think I- I think it's on that album. I think it's called Hello. (laughs) Why, I used to listen to that album at, like, The Why, because it was, like, something my mom had on CD. I remember that your mom had an Evanescence CD. I remember seeing it at- in my car when I would drive you around? It was either, no, I remember, like, I have a specific memory in of the Ford Evanescence CD in your home. I think it's it probably was, like, on the side table. Yeah, it's literally, like, I have an image of it, like, on the side table. like Because nothing at our house moved. Like, things just stayed there for years. Um, like, anyways, um, so I was thinking about it, though, when I guessed it on our friend's podcast, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute, but, um... Yeah, I think we were, like, you said that you've known me for over half your life, but I think we met each other when we were around, like, 10, because we were in fourth grade. That makes sense. Which means that we've known each other for, like, 16 years, which is 
totally wild. Like, uh, I'm sure I could figure out exactly how long, like, if I just, like, looked up the yearbook. Uh, but it's it's honestly truly bonkers. But, like, for real. So I've, I've often reflected over the years about what my life would be like if I never went to our elementary school because I switched over there in fourth grade. Um to the one that Sahana went to. And my parents kind of forced me to. And they're like, no, this is going to be really good for you. Like, you need to go. Because it's like some special fucking school bullshit. It's, um, um, it's, it was smart kids school. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> smart kids grow up and start Twilight podcasts. Um, hold on. Um, hold on. I think I remember what the acronym stood for. So that was. Oh, it was. I, it was uh, I just wasn't saying it because I was trying not to give away our elementary school. <laughs> oh, fuck. We might need to bleep that out. <laughs> well, I might just edit that part out. Yeah. <laughs> so if there was just a obvious cut, because I was editing out the name of our elementary school program. <laughs> because I'm anyways, an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I should put little notes, like, put little notes, like, if I talk about this, don't mention it. Um, <laughs> anyway. But no, um... But also, when I think about that, I feel like the biggest thing I think about what would be different about my life, like lots of things, but I think one of the biggest things for me now is that I wouldn't have met you, uh, and I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. Yeah, so, 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 like, I just love the idea of August 12th being permanent Sahana and Cat Day. It's truly a great day. Also, okay, so when we record, we record on webcam. I don't know anyone else who does this. Like, everyone else is just on the phone when I've recorded other people's just voice. I love being able to see you. I know, it's so I can good. see your little, like, you just, like, squishing your face. Oh, cute. <laughs> it just really touches my heart. This is why we were able to give y'all, y'all, we were able to give <laughs> y'all. y'all the chaotic, the chaotic loving energy that we do is because we're looking at each yeah, other. Yeah, I, it would be a lot harder without that, I think. Um. Anyways, so like I said, um, I, there was something else that I was going to talk to y'all about. Yeah, and, another uh, another way to celebrate our our love and friendship. Yeah, so you can do that by celebrating best friendship in general uh, by tuning into another podcast hosted by best friends. It's called Did You Watch Survivor Last Night? And that's right. It's a recap podcast where our friends Tom and Jake, a uh, human, not werewolf, <laughs> watch Survivor and discuss one of the like most enduring reality shows of our time. So uh, I guess in the most recent episode, uh, by force, they did not invite me to. I just said, hey, can I guess on your podcast? And Jake was like, yeah. And then Tom was like, no, I don't have earbuds and it's not going to work. And I was like, well, I have earbuds, bitch. <laughs> and Tom was like. So you came prepared to forcibly guest on their podcast. And t- I always have earbuds with me. And Tom was like, um, yeah, I guess you did watch the episode with me. You can guess my podcast. So I did. Um. So I guess in the most recent episode, and it was honestly a ton of fun, despite the fact that I forced myself on there. So you should check it out. Um, plus, without Jake, um, we wouldn't be on iTunes. So you really owe it to him to listen to his podcast. Also, it's very Yeah, because Sahana and I did not know how to do that. We don't know how to do anything. Um, yeah. Oh, that is not... I, I can put, <laughs> I'm pretty proud of myself. Um, I've learned a lot. Kat knows how to do a lot more things than I do. Let's, we'll just leave. Uh, but... Um, my, what I did just, we do? I Thanks. just want to plug that my favorite thing about Did You Watch Survivor last night is that they always, um, talk about wildlife shots. Is it the nature? It's the nature. The wildlife, the wildlife shots is the shots. best part. It's my favorite part. Um, yeah, it's, do it's you really like animals? You're gonna hear about some. Yeah, it's really, it's very endearing. It's, really it's very cool. endearing. It's, there's, it's, really it's cool. so sweet. They always like take the time to look up exactly what kind of animal Jake does. it is. Um, yeah. Jake does. It's yeah. Great. I love it. Um, um, anyway. So normally, 
Yeah. Normally, I write previous chapter summaries ahead of time, but it's a hot on cat day, so I just chose to love myself, and I didn't write one ahead of time, so I'm just going to go off the cuff and hope we find our way around. So basically, long and short, there's a book called Twilight. All you really need to know is that uh, Bella Swan is the main character. She has a dad named Charlie. She goes to class. Some boy named Edward's there. He doesn't like how she smells. Just kidding. He really likes how he how she smells because he's a vampire. And she and, really um, and she's like, cool, neat, love it, got it, wanna fuck me, also turn me into a vampire. And he's like, I don't want to do either of those things. Um, I just want to watch you while you sleep. And she's like, that's fine too, I guess, uh, for now. And so that happens for a while. Um, but then they go play basketball. Or not basketball. <laughs> What if that's what happened? Wait, what if it's a gender bent? What if it's a gender bent version (gasps) of basketball? I would cry. I was so someone on Twitter today. We did a Twitter AMA um, in honor of Sahana and Kate, and someone asked us, um, like, if you which if you have questions, you can ask them. Yeah, it's still it's it's still open. It's not the end of Sahana and Kate is Sahana Cat Week. Sahana and Cat Week. Yes. so someone asked us, like, if you had to cast the entire Twilight movie with Muppets and only one person remained the same, um, who would who would you choose? And both of us said Charlie, but that makes me think now about, like, if um, we had to, like, keep everything about Twilight the same except one plot point, and I really want it to be basketball instead of baseball because somehow that's so much funnier. Like, already vampire like Zac Efron there. <laughs> wait oh my god um that's really like they're playing good. like I, the other vampires yes. are just the members of whatever that team the is. um the wildcats cat but i've never seen it you've I've never only seen, seen the, the high school i've only seen the get your head in the game you've never seen bad on it where's that i've only i've only seen get get your head in the game Get get your head in the game. <laughs> you gotta get your get your get your get your head where in the game. <laughs> That's how the song goes. Um, this is anyways, what people listen oh, I think to this I podcast s- for, right? <laughs> I think there's another part where Sharp wait is Sharp Pay from High School Musical? Yeah, it's Ashley Tisdale. <laughs> Yeah, but that's that music. That's that thing, right? Okay. Um, so she like is like standing up with the the, the thin gay man, uh, like on a table or something, uh-huh. and they're just like, "We're dramatic." Yeah, I saw that that part too. Yes. Um, which I I, so I assume is every scene of Sharpay. So yeah. Uh, also, her name is Sharpay, which is a lot. Um. So. Uh, um. Vampire, anyway, sorry. Like, vampire so then, baseball. Vampire baseball. Um. Some vampires crash their baseball game because they want to eat Bella. Yeah, and then and then Bella's like, instead of that, what if I go to Arizona? And they're like, cool. So she does okay. that. And I then... guess we'll go to, I guess, and then her murderer, James, is like, I guess I'll just go to Arizona too. Also, what if it was Twilight and everything's the same and they're all, <laughs> but they're all Muppets except for James? <laughs> <laughs> just all Muppets and Cam Gagandit? Cam Gagandit trying to murder them. <laughs> Cam Gagandit, Muppet murderer. But like surrounded by 
Muppet Murderers. What if he's dating? Uh, I thought you were gonna say like, what if twi- what if it was Twilight, but everything was the same except for instead of baseball, it was like a West Side Story dance battle. <laughs> what if? Okay, what if it was all the same except they were all Muppets except for Kim and it, and then also instead of fighting, they had a dance battle. <laughs> This is a way better movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dances do you think that they would do? Like, Edward would, like, break dance. I don't think that he would. He would not. He, I, like, I think, feel. But if he, was a, if he was a Muppet? If he was a oh Muppet. Oh, my God, I forgot that he dance. was a Muppet. <laughs> Edward Cullen. Who's Edward breakdancing? Someone is breakdancing. Edward Cullen breakdancing Muppet. That's that's. <laughs> Anyways, so then Cam Gigandit tries to kill Bella the Muppet, and Bella the Muppet is like, absolutely not. <laughs> no, Bella the Gigandit's- Muppet doesn't do shit. It's the rest of yeah, the Cullen so Muppets like, that show up, and they're like. You're right, you're right. She's not, like, absolutely not. She's like, okay, just don't kill my mom. Yeah, and she's like, like, I don't even know who your mom is. <laughs> is that this lady on the tape? And then, and then the Cullen show up, and then they're like, no. And they slap him across the face, and he <laughs> dies. <laughs> but Bella was already bit, and Edward's like, let me suck that out real quick, and it takes no amount of time at all, and then it's over, and she's in the hospital, and everyone's like, that's Bella in the hospital again. And then they, and then and then they, they go, go to, prom. to prom, and then they go to prom, and then in New Moon. So then they keep dating for a while, and then yeah. it's pretty boring, and then, uh, and then Bella gets a paper cut, and then nearly dies, and then, Look. um, <laughs> and Jasper tries, and Jasper, who is Edward's um, adopted brother, brother tries adopted to brother, eat, her eat her because he has no self-control around blood and then Edward's response to that is to be like oh um I have to leave actually I like I, for- I forgot <laughs> well okay also um, <laughs> also Edward's reaction is like Bella gets a paper cut Jasper kind of gets Jasper like immediately freaks out and Edward's like <laughs> No, Bella, stay out of the way! And then, like, shoves her into a glass table. <laughs> she, like, knocks over her birthday cake and all of her presents. Um, but, like, that's, he's like, stay safe, Bella! Boom! <laughs> the glass table. So, um, so, and so, then he, so he, they, he fucks off. He, well, he, he dumps her in the woods, both, like, literally and figuratively. Um, and then she, she goes like catatonic for a few months. Okay, no, so what we know at this point in time is that she appears to go catatonic for a few months because we literally just get October, November, December, January, and that's all we get for the this amount of time. Yeah, period. like she goes into um, like a several months long words. dissociative, like depersonalization, derealization. Episode. We don't even know what goes on in that time like, period. We at find all. out in this episode what happens. But anyway, at this point, we didn't know. Um, yeah, so, so she, she just like so then she. Get some motorcycles, and she crashes well, them. You, and well, she, 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 I'm skipping ahead. We 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 cannot cover it all. You I'm getting forgot, the You points. forgot um man's best friend Jacob. Black. I'm getting there. I'm just doing it in a different order. So they'll make sense for the condensed narrative. So she gets some motorcycles and she crashes them. Uh, so she can hallucinate her uh, ex boyfriend's voice, Edward, in her head, and she's like, "This is so great. I can be so close to him." Except that in real life, I'm not close to him. I'm with this uh puppy dog that I named Jacob that I found on the street 
and um and he maybe wants to date me but i don't date little puppy dogs so <laughs> flawless logic <laughs> it's like scrappy doo following around uh, but scrappy doo is actually really tall and hot and really cool and his, and his name is jacob and he's not actually a puppy dog he's just a werewolf and bella's like i guess that's fine i found out you don't murder people it's cool you're a werewolf anyways um but if you're busy if you're busy and I'm sad, I will throw myself off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And so that's what she does. Bella Swan throws herself off a cliff because uh, Jacob is busy. Um, also relevant to note, during this time where she's crashing motorcycles and hanging out with a werewolf, um, uh, Cam Gigantin's, uh, girlfriend, Muppet girlfriend <laughs> and Muppet best friend have been seeking out Bella, trying to murder her in the woods. And these werewolves are like, hey, we're the enemy of vampires. Let Don't me, kill our friend. Let's just, let, me, let us kill that vampire for you. <laughs> let's just kill that vampire. So, um, you suck, you smell. And then they're like, no, you suck, you smell. And they're like, well, we're going <laughs> to kill one of you. And then they move on. Uh, but then Victoria, who is Cam Gagana's girlfriend, uh, is really out for blood. That's. That's about it. That was a really I'm I'm so proud of you. We should go off the cuff every time. It's much better. It definitely gives much more chaos to it. I, Writing well, it is my least favorite part of every every episode. Well, then we should just I think from now on we just do it off the cuff. It came out much better. Anyway, can I tell you about chapter sixteen? <laughs> I would love it. So chapter sixteen is called Paris. Um it is not regrettably about Paris Geller, which oh, would make Paris this Geller. a better chapter. Um, but so, so chapter 15, um, if you listened to our last episode, you know that chapter 15 ends with Bella saying goodbye, uh, to the hallucination of Edward that she sees under the water and giving in to the current. And chapter 16 opens immediately with Bella's head breaking back through the surface of the water. And she feels what she thinks are rocks beating against her back, forcing all the water out of her lungs. And she hears a voice and she's like, oh, I'm disappointed that it was not Edward's voice. Because uh, she's the worst, uh, but she hears this voice telling her to breathe. So she's really yeah. disoriented, but she manages to slowly piece together that the voice is Jacob, and that he's dragged her out of the water to the sand, and that the rock beating against her back has actually just been Jacob's hand trying to get her to breathe again. So, which I also love this part because she's like, "God, I keep hitting this rock. This rock is really hot. <laughs> it's really hot and warm." Like my friend Jacob. What is this hot oh rock? fuck, it's Jacob. Um. And so, like, Bella Bella feels the water pouring out of her lungs, and she's unable to breathe, and her vision is blurry, and she's disoriented. And so, before she puts all these pieces together, she's wondering to herself if she must be dying again, bringing us to what is maybe the earliest, holy shit, Bella go to therapy moment in an episode so far, because Bella I feel like there was one where it was, like, the first sentence or something. Well, this is pretty fucking early, but she says, and I quote, again, she says, she says, like, oh, I must be dying again, and then she says, I didn't like it. This wasn't as good as the last time. That was so yeah, rough. Yeah, Bella. No shit. Dying isn't great. And apparently, Jacob's real voice isn't as good as Edward's fake one, which is great. Is there anything it. else that needs to be said here? No. Jesus Christ. I just imagine Jacob's voice as being more warm and inviting. Yeah. I think I'm, like, in love with Jacob again as, as an adult. <laughs> This was, like, this was bound to happen. I think that I rekindled all of my, like, latent Jacob feelings. <laughs> oh, I'm 16 again. Oh, God. Tell me what happened Anyways. Next. 
<laughs> um, so yeah, so Jake and Sam, because Sam's there, if we didn't already say that, um, are debating whether or not it's safe uh, to move her. And she comes to, like, at this point, and is like, no, I'm not hurt. Um, look how I can move around. It's fine. And so Jacob picks her up uh, to take her inside because she's, like, probably hypothermic and uh, tells Sam to go back to the hospital, although there's no explanation yet of why or, like, what he's referring to. Um, so as Jacob carries her away from the beach, Bella notices that there's, like, a small flash of fire uh, was dancing on the black water far out in the bay. Um, totally irrelevant. That won't ever come back. Um, so as Jacob is, like, carrying Bella through the rain back to his house, Bella's like, how the fuck did you find me? And he was like, you're not that sneaky, bitch. I followed your car. And also you were screaming. Also, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you go cliff jumping in the middle of a hurricane? Um, And Jacob tells her, he says, save the stupid stuff for when I'm around because I won't Which be I able love. to concentrate if I think you're jumping off of cliffs behind my back. And Yeah, that part was not as good. Yeah, this is not great. And also, I think. Although I get is- it. Well, yeah, but I think I think what I want to point out here is that this is really strikingly reminiscent of the way that Edward has in the past told Bella to promise to stay out of trouble. Like he, yeah. Very although in Edward's, it, I, I agree with you. Like this part is is very reminiscent, and I didn't I didn't love this line. I thought it was pretty gross. Although in in Jacob's slight defense, when Edward would say this, he'd be like. Oh, you're gonna go to the bookstore? Uh, don't get yourself killed, asshole. Yeah, like, and, uh, and, and in this case, he's like, "Hey, note, don't the, jump off a cliff." Right, like that's the note that I made. Is that like, first of all, I don't know if this was intentional, but the mirrored language and sentiment is really striking. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the language and the sentiment are so mirrored, and the tone in which they're delivered is so different, is also really striking. Like somehow it seems much more genuine, and as though it's coming from a place of care here, where with Edward it always just kind of, like, sounded like a line. I think because in Edward's case, it was, like, Bella was always, he was, like, passive-aggressive. Yeah. Like, like he, like, Bella would like, go oh, somewhere. like, I have to something, save you again. Yeah, like, Bella would go somewhere. Something completely out of her control would happen. Like, she would get turned around, and some people would be creepy to her, and he'd be like, God, I can't believe you're out there doing this, like, shit, and, like, like victim blame. magnet for trouble. And Jacob's like, and hey, could you maybe not do stupid, reckless things when I'm not available to make sure that you don't harm yourself? Yeah, yeah, because it's a lot different to be like, oh, Bella accidentally got into trouble, and I'm going to keep telling you to, like, oh, don't do things stupid. Whereas it is to say, hey, don't jump off really tall cliffs during a hurricane. <laughs> Oh, God. So, anyways. um, So, Bella asks if the wolf pack managed to catch Victoria. Um, and Jacob says that they didn't because she took off into the water. Uh, the bloodsuckers have the advantage there, which is why he came back looking for Bella, um, where the Victoria would double back to and get just, her. Can we, can we unpack this sentiment for a second? Like, the uh-huh. bloodsuckers have the advantage... In the ocean? What about yeah. vampires would give them the advantage in the water? Like, I... Okay, listen. I know. I, I'll, I'll let you go off first, but I can tell you exactly okay, what it is. Okay, here's the thing. I was so puzzled by this that I literally Googled, can wolf swim? Like, I, I Googled the phrase... I'm sorry. I used my favorite search engine to search <laughs> the phrase, can wolves swim? But, like, okay, so... And I found an answer from... Wolf. I also did this because you texted me, but I, I also know why they have the advantage. Um... So, so I, I found an answer from wolfcountry.net, which is arguably not the most <laughs> reputable source, but it was the first link that popped up on Google, so I'm going to read you what the response was. And it says, and I quote, 
The wolf is very comfortable in the water and does not hesitate to wade through icy streams or swim across short stretches of lake. <laughs> in summer, wolves often bathe in streams to keep cool and they will readily follow their prey into the water. They follow okay. their prey into the water. Okay, and listen, I was like, maybe wolfcountry.net is not the best source. So I double checked this. I double checked. You learned from your librarians. I learned like from that. my librarians to look for a secondary source. So what did I do, bitch? I Googled which kind of wolves are native to the Pacific Northwest. Apparently, it is gray wolves. And then I was like, can gray wolves swim? So I looked up facts about the gray wolf on nationalgeographic.com. And nationalgeographic.com says... That gray wolves are strong swimmers. So, why would vampires <laughs> have the advantage in the ocean, even if a werewolf's wolf swimming ability is predicated on their human swimming ability? All of these boys live literally on the ocean and they go cliff diving for fun, so I know that they know how to swim. This is what I did at work today. <laughs> You're gonna feel so dumb when I tell you why they have an advantage. <sighs> Why? Do you wonder why they have an advantage of the water? Why? Because they don't have to breathe. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. <laughs> they don't have to breathe. I can't can believe dive down I, into I, the ocean. I cannot <laughs> believe that I spent a full twenty minutes doing research about gray wolves at work to try. <laughs> To undermine Stephanie Meyer, and the answer is just that she made up some vampire shit. I think most, well, I feel like most vampires probably don't have to breathe. I feel like that seems like pretty standard vampire lore, because they're all dead. I, you know what? I hate this. I don't want to talk about this anymore. What happened? <laughs> so Bella, totally unconcerned by the wolves' apparent lack of aquatic skill, ask why Sam was headed to the hospital. Um, and so, okay, gotta stop laughing. This is somber. Um, so Jacob tells her that Harry Clearwater had a heart attack. Um, reminders, that's Charlie's very good friend. Um, he makes fish fry. Um, and um, Seth, and Seth's so, dad. Seth is one of Jacob's friends. Yeah. Um, and that Charlie and Billy are at the hospital with him uh, as well. And so I am maybe impressed if you might remember is that there's a world continuing around the plot of Bella. Like Harry Clearwater's health has been mentioned earlier in the book and actually continues on. And it's not like really obvious. It's just subtle. It's like Charlie gets distracted on the phone talking about Harry or something. And I just want to live in an old... In, like, an alternate universe where Stephanie Meyer wrote books about these werewolves and not the vampires because it's so much more it's, interesting. It's really, every time there's, like, any information about one of the side characters on the reservation, I'm like, I want to know more about that. Like, this happened. Because they have a whole world. The Collins are so isolated right. from everything. Like, there is, there's, like, history and context and culture around the, around the werewolves, and I want to learn about that, but instead I have to deal with this white ass Cullen bullshit. It's so boring. Um, however, Bella's uh, immediate response to finding out that Harry had a heart attack is guilt, which is upsetting for a number of reasons, but it continues to be jarring to see Bella put herself at the center of literally everything, especially something that is so explicitly not about her. Yeah, and to clarify, when Kat says that her reaction is guilt, like, she's like, oh my god, I can't believe that I went cliff diving when someone had a heart attack. Like, she literally is like, oh, I'm the last thing they need to be worried about right now. Which is mm -hmm. just... Bella needs to learn how to do some perspective taking. Anyway, so, 
An important question that I saw in your notes, and one that I have not stopped thinking about since I read it, was why the fuck did Jacob take Bella back to his house and not to the hospital? I like, don't know. You, you can break bones from hard impact when you fall into the water. And also, like, considering that Bella was like, oh, I felt a rock against my back. Like, Jacob could easily and have broken like, one of her ribs. And water. Yeah. He easily could so, have like, broken one of her ribs trying to get the water out of her lungs. And, like, just because she seems fine doesn't mean everything is okay. So what is his reasoning here? I think he's just so... I think there's one of two options. Either he is just so fucking exhausted from the fucking day he's had that he's just not fucking thinking straight, which I think might be true because when he gets back, he just passes the fuck out. So, like, my only thought is he's just a fucking overwhelmed-ass 16-year-old who has no idea. He's just fucking tired. He just is glad she's not dead. The other thought is that he just assumes that she'll be involuntarily committed. I... Look, and I considering what I said last episode about Bella's plan and intent, I think that's reasonable. But also, two things. I think Jacob sincerely believes that she was just, like, cliff diving and stupid. And, like, like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like, not thinking about... Well, because she hasn't shared anything with him. And up, because she's stupid. Right, and because she's stupid. But but he doesn't know anything about the the, the auditory hallucinations that she's been having. Yeah. So he was like, oh, you were just cliff diving because you're a dumbass. Uh, and the other thing is that she could lie. Like, she could go to the hospital and be, like, and, and not Hello. talk about her SI. Like, she's we lied at the hospital how... before. I don't know why we, we were how... searching for answers in this book, because there clearly are none. But here I am wondering about this. Okay, but we do know how bad she is at lying. This is true. She's bad at lying. Um, she's like, I can't explain the ocean smell and the drowning. <laughs> oh, um, so anyway. Um, so Jacob brings Bella dry clothes. Like, he's like, here are some, like, warm, dry, like, sweatpants and a shirt. And instead of changing into them, she's like, nah, fuck it. This part drove me crazy. I'm just gonna sleep in my wet clothes. I'm just gonna sleep in my wet clothes. And I normally wouldn't mention something this benign, but there is nothing, there is literally nothing that I hate more than the feeling of being wet in my clothes. Like, it makes my skin crawl. And so Bella And it's winter clothes. Yes. Like, heavy... What, like, I'm imagining that she was probably wearing jeans because she's a basic-ass bitch, and so she, like... Um, I think she was probably wearing khakis. I'm sorry, khakis. Khakis. You're right. She was wearing... She... Bella... Bella corduroy. Swan, Bella Swan for sure went cliff-diving in khakis. Um, and cord. Khaki cords. So, Bella actively choosing to, like, just continue to wear her wet clothes because she's too tired to move is just additional confirmation that she's the dumbest bitch alive. Um, okay, and now for my least favorite part of this chapter. It's so fucking stupid. Jacob and Bella fall asleep. And Bella has a dream about Juliet? Like, like, Shakespeare's Juliet. This sounds so fucking cliche that I had to read it twice. Yeah, Bella just starts musing on her life, but through the lens of Romeo and Juliet, and it's wild and obnoxious. It's honestly an extremely middle school style, which is to say, I was also wild and obnoxious. Um, I also (laughs) literally, like, four days ago saw an outdoor production of Romeo and Juliet, and it was really good, but because of that, the plot is super fresh in my mind, which somehow makes this whole thing feel even stupider. So... Bella, so Bella, like, has this image of Juliet in her dream. She wakes up and she's, like, laying there pondering this image. And she thinks about how Juliet would have felt if Romeo had left her. Not because he died, but because he changed his mind about her. Like, he falls back in love with Rosaline or whatever. 
And Bella's like, I think I would understand how Juliet would feel in this situation. She's like, Juliet would never be able to go back to her normal life. She would never have been able to forget Romeo. Like, she would try. Like, she would try to go back to a normal life, but she would never be able to do it. And this is a lot of fucking projection. This is, this is just so so much projection. And it's incredibly telling to me that Bella is projecting onto a character who is widely accepted as a literary allegory for stupid, reckless, reckless teenage dumbassery. Yeah. Um, and then the yeah. other the other stupid fucking thing that she does, among all the stupid fucking things that she does, but she's like, she then tries to compare Jacob to Paris. Um, and if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with the plot of Romeo and Juliet. Which I'm not. So Paris is like a nobleman who is like Juliet's suitor. Her parents really, really want her to marry him because he's a friend of the Prince of Verona. Like he's very wealthy. He's high status. Like that's who they want her to marry. And so she compares Jacob to Paris. And she's like, what if Paris was Romeo's best friend and Juliet had ended I know, up I thought with she him? said, I thought she said, what if Paris was Juliet's best friend? Oh, did she say Juliet's best friend? I thought she said Romeo's best friend. I think she says Juliet's best friend. That like, would make more sense. She's completely mapping it onto her That life. would make more sense. And still, it's projection. And so she's like, what if Juliet had ended up with him because he's the only one who understands, even though he'd never be as good as Romeo. Which just makes no fucking sense at all. Because, like, the whole point of the plot is that Juliet has no connection with Paris at all. Which is why it's so upsetting to her that her parents want her to marry him. Um, Also, Mm -hmm. this whole internal monologue. This whole internal monologue makes it very clear that Bella views Jacob as some kind of consolation prize. Which is so incredibly unkind. And I think we will have more to say about this later. But it's just, like, this is the first sort of, like explicit like reminder from Bella that we get that she really thinks that like Jacob is just sort of like second best he's never gonna measure like what if I just settled for Jacob yeah literally that's what she says it's like explicitly so apparently Harry's heart attack is the thing um that finally finally knocks some fucking sense into Bella and considering the impact of her actions on others and She's she finally is like you know what this thrill seeking is maybe irresponsible maybe I should stop putting my life in danger because actually some people have real problems like heart attacks, um and so she finally considers giving up her hallucinations which she feels uh she might be able to do because she has Jacob, um has him uh she does say that she's reluctant to see uh this to see this perspective. Um, because it means that she'll have to change her actions. Um, and at the very least, uh, <laughs> two bitches who never want to change her actions and just want things to get better, that part was super relatable. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have to change my behaviors if I want to see changes in my life? I don't understand. Uh-uh. Um, so, <laughs> so Bella ponders, uh, the flash of fire that she saw atop the water as Jakey, Jakey. Jakey? Jakey. Jakey. Uh, rescued her. Um, foreshadowing just like so stupid that makes me want to die. Uh, she hears a car pull up and then Billy's voice. And Billy and Sam come into the house and confirm to Bella and Jacob that Harry has died. Um, yeah, Bella. Wait, <laughs> Kim, there are people that are dying. <laughs> Kim, um, there are people that are dying. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so. <laughs> So, um, Billy tells Bella that Charlie's still at the hospital, and then Sam 
after like wheeling Billy and goes back to join everyone else at the hospital. Yeah. Um. So at this point, Jacob's like, okay, I should probably take you home because you should maybe be home like when Charlie gets back from the hospital. So Jacob goes to get Bella's car and he drives her home. And as they're in the car, Bella once again starts thinking about <clears throat> their relationship. And she says the same really upsetting thing that she said several chapters ago. And I think we talked about it a lot. But she says something about how she wants to stake a claim on Jacob. Ugh. And it... I hated this. It, to me, this really sheds a lot of light on how Bella views relationships. Like, she mm-hmm. is so terrified of abandonment that the only way that she can feel a sense of secure attachment is through this twisted promise of ownership. Like, she says that she feels like she needs to stake a claim on him in order to feel like she can keep him around and, like, have him fill this hole that Edward has left. So, and it honestly feels in this moment like Stephanie Meyer is trying to get us to believe that Bella is actually seriously considering a relationship with Jacob. Mm -hmm. Like, we get Bella's internal conflict about having to tell Jacob everything, so, like, about the extent of her depression and the hallucinations in order to stake a claim on him. Yeah, so, like, yeah, this was so much. On one hand, I appreciate that Bella recognizes that if she were to be with Jacob, she'd have to be fully honest with him and that she can't, like, just act like everything's fine, that she'd actually have to, like, give him the chance to make an informed decision about what to do. Um, uh, but on the other hand, (laughs) the way Bella thinks of the situation makes me simultaneously, like, so mad and sad. Um, she wants to do it to make Jacob happy and to keep him around, or at least that's what she says. But basically, she's just saying, like, I want to appease him because he's done so much for me. I, like, owe him this, basically. And I can't even really tell how she feels about him. Like, I don't know if she can either, really. Uh, She just needs time and space to heal, uh, not to fill her wounds with another human slash mythical being. Right, and, and the way that she describes it, though... Like, it, she almost makes it sound as though she would be doing Jacob a favor. And it's fucking wild. Yeah. She's like, she's like, I know that I, like, feel this way about him, that I'm never going to be able to love him, and that it's important for me to tell him about everything that's been going on. And I know that, like, no matter what I said to him, he would take me anyway. Like, she literally says, and I, and I mm-hmm. just have the quote here because it's so fucking wild. She says, would it be so wrong to try to make Jacob happy? Even if the love I felt for him was no more than a weak echo of what I was capable of, even if my heart was far away, wandering and grieving after my fickle Romeo, would it be so very wrong? Like, she acknowledges that she cannot love Jacob the way that she loved Edward and never will, but seems to insinuate that Jacob loves her so much that he'll settle for whatever she'll give him. Which might be Mm -hmm. true, but to openly seek to take advantage of that is incredibly self-serving. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So they get to her house and Jacob hugs her super close. Uh, and as though he can read her mind again, which she keeps saying, he says that he knows that she doesn't feel exactly the same way he does, but that he's so happy she's okay. Um. So it just makes me so sad to think that Jacob so tangibly feels uh, that much of a mismatch in their levels of emotion or enthusiasm about one another. Um, that he, like, clearly articulates, like, oh, I know you don't feel the same way about me, but, like, I'm so happy you're alive. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. It's just, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's such a mismatch, because it's like, oh, I don't know if you'll actually care, but I'm really happy you exist. And he thinks that even that will, like, offend her somehow. Or, like, it's um, too much. But, yeah. but so, like, 
So in this moment, Bella's, Bella's like experiencing this care and love from Jacob. And she's wondering to herself if Edward wouldn't want her to be happy. She's like, wouldn't he? And the, wait, uh, spoiler, he wouldn't want her he, to be happy. He would not. He would not want her to be happy. Um, unless, if, if happiness means not being with him, he does not want her to be happy. Um, but, but she literally says, like, wouldn't he want me to, and I quote, give just a small bit of the love he didn't want to my friend Jacob? After all, it wasn't the same love at all. Again. So gross. Bella. Jacob, Jacob is not a fucking consolation prize. He's a human wolf boy with sweet puppy feelings. <laughs> also, why does Bella feel so desperate for Edward's permission to pursue something that gives her comfort? Like, even in his absence, Bella's looking for, uh, like, to Edward for guidance in her life because he was so fucking controlling. Like, and, he's, like he's he will already give. Yeah, go ahead. No, I just, like, he's, he's no longer even in her life and still the, like, specter of his approval and control, like, dominates her decision making. Yeah, but also, Bella, like, you already give Jacob love, and you could give him love without it being romantic. Bella! Just therapy! Just be friends. Just be friends. Go to therapy. Learn about boundaries. Anyway, um, so she, she in this moment seems to be very seriously considering kissing Jacob. Um, and as she does that, she hears Edward's voice in her head telling her to be happy. Which means that it's clearly wishful thinking and not telepathy because a real Edward would never want that for him. Like, no. you're going to kiss no. a fucking oh. werewolf bitch. No, he'd be so mad. Um, and I have to say that I actually don't remember reading this part as a teenager or how I reacted to it. But I'm super curious to hear if you remember reading this part or having a reaction to it. Um, or if you had a reaction to her almost kissing Jacob reading it as an adult, considering that you're now once again in love with Jacob Black. Um, I would love to hear about how you reacted to this almost kiss. Okay. Well, I don't want her to kiss my man, so fuck <laughs> off, Bella Swan. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, because I'm an adult and Edward is a child. Uh, Edward. Well, Edward's not a child, but Jacob is a child. Um, but 16-year-old me would have wanted to fucking punch her in the face. And I'm guessing that was maybe my reaction, but I honestly don't remember it. Um, I probably was really excited. I probably felt some heat uh, in certain areas of my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, as if Jacob were touching me there. Because he's very, because he's very warm. Mm-hmm, that's why. Yep. Um, um, what? But I honestly, I honestly don't really remember. Um, but reading this as an adult, I was just like, God, this is, God, Bella. Yeah. You smell like the ocean. <laughs> you just threw up a bunch. You haven't even brushed your teeth. <laughs> this is like Marissa, like, throwing up in Tijuana. And then, like, like <laughs> it's rough. Oh, God. Um, yeah maybe maybe not um so this extremely sexually tense moment is immediately interrupted however when jacob opens the door of the truck and he's like oh fuck and closes it it's like oh god gross and she's like what he's like oh god it smells like fucking vampire out there um and he immediately goes into a fight or flight mode like he literally verbally talks out his decision to phase or get out of here which is uh the original version of should i stay or should i go (laughs) should i phase or should i go should I phase or should I go now? Um, <laughs> um yeah. So, um, and decides uh, it's best to just get Bella the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah, so, he, um, so he like he starts to drive away, and as he's doing that, Bella like looks out the window and she notices a car across the street from her house, and she's like, "Jacob, fucking stop! Stop driving away!" Because she recognizes that it's Carlisle's car. Um, and she's like, "It's not Victoria. Like, I want to go back. Take me back. It's not Victoria." And Jacob is understandably aghast. 
She's like, no, it's fine. It's the Cullen's car. Like, you don't need to be worried. It's fine. And he's bewildered, which confuses Bella because once again, she's the dumbest bitch alive. Like, she's like, oh, it's the Cullen's. It's fine. Why are you so upset? Like, this boy and his entire Uh group of friends has been out there. And love. Yeah. And 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 friends, friends and loved ones have been out there risking their fucking lives trying to find and kill a vampire for you. And you don't understand why he would be upset that you're like, yeah, no, it's fine. Just take him back. Whatever. I don't care. Like, I just, oh, this dumb bitch. So she's in the car and she's like, no, take me back. Take me back. And and she sees Jacob's expression change and, like, harden. Mm-hmm. And she says she notices a spasm of betrayal that flashed in his eyes because, of course, it did. Um, mm-hmm. Like, here he is trying to protect you from vampires and there's a vampire in your house and you're like, no, it's fine. Take me back. Um, and he asks if she's sure that it's not a trick. And when she says she is and to take her back, he says no. He says, take, like, take yourself back, Bella. Um, he's like, I have to go tell Sam that the Collins are back because if they're back, I can't be here because it violates the treaty. Like, we're not supposed to be on their land. And so... Well, I don't think... I don't think Bella's uh, house counted as that. But I think what he was saying was we need to be careful to stay off of it now because yeah. we have been being on it. Because they were like... Yeah. When they were in the, like... Um, the woods where they found Bella with their aunt, like that was Cullen yeah. territory and stuff. So they're more like, we have to stop doing that. Fuck. Like, well, I have to go tell them that like, we can't yeah. really the tree. So Bella continues to be a totally obtuse, whiny bitch. And is like, no, it's fine. It's not a war. Oh my God. Chill out. Once again. <laughs> okay, Nick Kroll. Totally ignoring the historical context of the relationship between these two groups of people. Also, like, how fucking easy would it be to trick Bella? Like, like she's just like, no, it's the car. It's fine. It's fine. It's just like, literally, she's that bitch that looks up when you tell her the gullible's on the ceiling. Remember that? Do you remember that from elementary school? Yeah, because one time, yeah, because my brother one time told me the gullible's ran up my forehead when I was in elementary school, and then I turned to his friend uh, and lifted up my bangs, because I had straight across bangs, and I said, is it? But I think at the time, I knew it wasn't, but I was just trying to be, like, cute and funny. But they thought I was just being dumb. Um, so anyways, but yeah. Anyway, Victoria could have just, like, easily have stolen the Gullen's car. Like, I feel like, shouldn't she have learned by now? Because this shit keeps happening. Like, she literally got tricked by Vampire before because she was like, oh, it's my mom's voice. No, it's just a tape from my childhood that I've probably seen a million times. And I didn't recognize it. And then she's like, no, it's fine. It's the car. There's only one of those that exists in the whole world. Um... And, like, all the couples, like, could have gotten in their car. You don't even know where they are. Like, could they even have driven to you? Like, you dumb bitch. This is why you almost keep dying. You have zero self-preservation instincts. Really not at all. Um, and and I, Jacob's fucking tired of it. And I, and I do kind of want to take a minute to talk about Jacob's reaction here. Because on the one hand, he is right that being in Bella's house if the Collins are back, um, would... No, it's not. This is not breaking the... Be, no, it would be a bad idea. It would be a bad idea. Be a bad idea, but not breaking the treaty. Not breaking the treaty, but it would be a bad idea. So... But, but on the other hand, he has broken certain tenets of, like, the treaty or, or sort of logic mm-hmm. before. Like, he killed mm-hmm. Laurent, even though Laurent hadn't yet killed a human, when technically the vampires, like, the werewolves can't kill a vampire unless they kill a human. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least they didn't so, witness him doing it, yeah. Yeah, so it kind of makes me feel that Jacob is just, like, using werewolf rules as an excuse for his behavior, which is actually coming from a place of hurt and worry that if the mm-hmm. Collins are back, Bella's just going to abandon him again. Like, yeah. he he feels, like, he knows in his soul that he is just a consolation prize for Bella, and it makes yeah. him so sad. 
I agree. Although I will say there probably are some pretty just viable reasons why he would have to tell them pretty quickly because, like, it is true that, like, if the Collins are back, he doesn't know how they're going to react to them. Like, he, before breaking the treaty, had no threat because the Collins weren't there to enforce it. Now if the Collins are there to enforce it, it's a distraction when they're already at high alert. Also, he doesn't know... He, I think the werewolf tribe still truly believes that, like, Victoria and the Collins are more friendly than Bella's letting on. Right, and I think that like, that, well, I think that the other thing is that the last time the Collins were in town, Jacob wasn't yet a werewolf, and so he now poses significantly more of a threat to them, and he knows mm-hmm. that. So he's probably- And he already also, knows that, that Edward doesn't like him. Right, too. so he's probably also more scared that something could happen to him. So, so his response- Yeah, and he probably thinks that fucking Edward's in there. Yeah, oh yeah. So he, he literally says, he gets out of the car, and he says, Bye, Bella. I really hope you don't die, which is levels as petty that only I can aspire to, and then he runs off into the forest. And that's it. That's it for yeah. the chapter. That's it for the chapter. What, what was your favorite part? I mean, it goes without saying, the best part of this chapter is Jacob just jumping out of the car, shouting that he hopes she doesn't die, and running off in the woods to turn into a wolf to talk to his buddies on their internal werewolf phones. <laughs> best part. Like, that is the best fucking part. Because it's the only part of this chapter that was enjoyable. Everything else is pretty painful. Except for ever to be like, bye bitch, don't die, and yeah, then running it. away. Um, my do you want to hear my favorite part of this chapter? Yeah. My favorite yes, part of this chapter is when Bella's, like, talking about how she's deciding what to do, like, if she should go back into her house after she's seen Carlisle's car. She's talking about, like, her decision-making process, and she's like, yeah, I was trying to decide what to do, and I quote, while he concentrated on not exploding <laughs> into a wolf. Just I love how she keeps using that phrase. Ex- yes, for the, the two things I love about this are the casual tone, <laughs> which she's like, yeah, I was, like, do- I was, like, trying to make a really complicated decision about whether or not I should go back into my house because there's a vampire in it. He was just deciding whether or not he should explode into a wolf. Also, just the fact that it's always the word exploding. It makes me think that it must really look like exploding. Like, there's no other word that you could possibly use to describe it. It's just like, they explode into a wolf. Like, (laughs) which I think is fucking hysterical. Uh, Oh, boy. um, Okay, so don't stop recording, but... I need to get water and pee. Okay. Um, but those up recordings will be difficult to line them back up. Okay. But we've already been talking for so long and we have so much to get through still. Yeah. Um, so I need water and I need to pee. Okay. Woo. Okay. I'm done peeing. Fuck yeah. Now that I'm not gonna wet myself, um, which I don't think I'm gonna put on a podcast. But maybe if you want it, I would put on a video for money. Um, we can keep recording. <laughs> um, I, you know, some of the things that we have offered on this here podcast are troubling. They, they trouble me. I think we've offered a video of me sneezing and like audio, specifically audio, audio as like ASMR, and then now you can get a video of me peeing. Um, specifically wetting yourself is what you said. Oh, that's so much worse. Yeah, it would be a lot that's worse. So Can we worse. let's not talk about it anymore? What happens in chapter seventeen? <gasps> hey, I all I was doing, all I was doing, was employing my reflective listening skills. No. Anyways, chapter seventeen is called Visitor. Did we even say the name of the last chapter? Yeah, we did. I said it was called Paris. Oh, yeah, because he made some joke with Paris Keller. So, um, Bella walks to the door, uh, to see 
Okay, first of all, before I even say this, I actually, like, had no idea who was going to be in the house. Like, I knew it wasn't going to be Carlisle, and I knew it wasn't going to be Edward. And I literally didn't think beyond that point whatsoever. I, so think, I, I think when I read this as a teenager, I thought it was going to be Edward. Probably as a teenager, because I was stupid. Yeah. But as an adult, I was like, it's not Edward. Oh, I, and remember, I, I remembered Edward. that it was Alice. But the funny thing is, is that I didn't think that it, I didn't even think about it being Alice, which is so stupid because it's the most obvious it, answer. It really is the most obvious answer. So now that we've so given anyways, it away. <laughs> so we walk in, Alice is standing in the hallway and Bella, of course, uh, runs up and starts sniffing her because she's been spending entirely too much time around <laughs> dogs recently. Um, and so Bella immediately starts sobbing and Alice drags her onto her lap, comforting her. She's like, come here, sweet baby girl. And I would, of course, uh, just like to take a moment and say, uh, for the very bottom of my heart, gay. Just this whole scene was just so, so gay. It was so gay. It was like every part of it just kept getting gayer and gayer. She's like like, sobbing and like Alice like scoops her up into her arms and is like cradling her on the couch. And it's just like, it's just all so And she's like, her body was made like a stone that perfectly fit my body in the most comforting way possible. Extremely gay. And she's like, God, I just can't help but listen to her talk every single word. She just talked forever and she just smells so good. I've never smelled anything so good in my life. It's ambrosia. Like, and it's just like, what is happening? So, um, I, so I do want to say, however, uh, in, in non-gay, but also obviously still gay seriousness, um, I can only imagine how Belle is feeling here. Um, because for one, although the werewolves have, uh, helped her, um, have some relief that Edward uh, and everything that happened to her was real because for a reminder for people who don't remember when Edward left he completely gaslit her by like taking away everything that was any sign that he had ever existed so the werewolves helped her um, know that this is real because they confirmed the existence of vampires but like they still weren't very connected to the colons in any sort of direct sense so um it was really nice because seeing Alice um, is the first real solid evidence of this because um, she was actually connected and involved in these memories that Bella had and was really trying to confirm were real. Um, and that has to be so emotional. Um, and she's also so scared and overwhelmed and maybe just attempted to die by suicide. Um, and then this person who she has always found to be a comforting figure because like she always really got along with Alice before uh, shows up and it's just like, thank God, honestly. Um yeah, so after Bella calms down, because that's why she started sobbing, I assume, um, Alice asks Bella, um, like, she's like, how are you not dead, bitch? And Bella's like, oh, you showed up because you saw me fall. And Alice is like, no, I saw you jump. And yeah, as a reminder, Alice's vampire power is essentially the ability to see the future. Um, so I really appreciate Alice's clarification when Bella says, you saw me fall, and Alice is like, no, bitch, I saw you jump. The clarification of intent is really important here. Yeah. So Alex explained, Alex, Al- <laughs> I cannot say names today. I'm fucking them all up. Um, so Alice explains that she was not purposefully looking into Bella's future um, because uh, Edward had told her not to, um, but she was already attuned to her. So she saw her jump. And personally, I find this hard to believe. Like, I'm pretty sure that Alice was opening up, like, ESP incognito mode and checking in on Bella's future like it was her ex's Twitter. (laughs) But, like, whatever. Um, Because Alice seems like a nosy bitch. Like, so she says that uh, she immediately jumps on a plane without thinking after she saw this. Uh, She's like, I knew I couldn't help save you, but I thought maybe it could help do something, at least help, like, 
Charlie or something, um, which is kind of sweet. Uh, she's like, I should help Charlie. Um, so she immediately starts uh, lecturing Bella about how she, uh, like, she's like, how could you attempt suicide? Well, she doesn't say it this way, but she kind of says it this way. She's basically like, how could you attempt suicide given uh, what it would do to Charlie and my brother, Edward? Because um, if you don't know, Alice is Edward's, like, adoptive sister. Yeah. Um, so she particularly emphasizes the, well, she's like, She's like, what would I do to Charlie? But more importantly, what would I do to my brother? Like you have no idea what Edward... And this is this is so really... So stupid. This is... I, I just... It, it's, it's really important to me that we address that this is absolutely the wrong way to talk to somebody who has just survived yep. an attempt to die by suicide. Like, this is... This is not... This is not it. Do not ever tell somebody that they were being selfish or thoughtless. Like, I know that Bella's intent is sort of still up for debate here, but Alice responding, Alice is, Alice is responding as though she believes that mm-hmm. Bella was trying to die by suicide, and her response is to shame Bella and be like, you weren't thinking this was so selfish, which is not at all a compassionate or trauma-informed way to respond to somebody who has just attempted to die by suicide. Nope, not at all. So that was really great and fun. Um, So Bella's like, no, 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 no. I wasn't trying to kill myself. I was just bored and stupid. I'm a bimbo. Um, and she can tell that Alice doesn't believe her because Alice is neither bored nor stupid. Uh, so Bella changes the subject by asking why Alice didn't uh, see Jacob pulling her out of the water in her bed. And she's like, well, if you saw me jump, why didn't you see me get saved? Um, and Alice is confused. Um, and so she does what anyone would do when they're confused. And she starts sniffing Bella and muttering to herself, which... Like, I'm not kidding. And it, so, so far in this chapter, in like three pages, canonically, Bella has sniffed Alice and Alice has sniffed Bella. Bella. Yeah. Um, and Alice just fucking burns Bella in this moment by being like, he was a fool to think you could survive alone. I've never seen anyone so prone to life-threatening idiocy. Which is so ridiculous. Um, But I had two things I want to say about this. One, Alice is dialogue is indistinguishable from Edward's. Mm-hmm. True. She sounds exactly the yeah. same. There's like no difference in their voice, which is really bad writing. Um, but I feel like it wasn't like that before, which actually, I feel like before she talked differently to Bella when she was like dating Edward, and now she like has no time for her. So I want to, so I feel like that leads me to believe that Alice and Bella, um, we were led to believe her friends, but Actually, Alice looks at Bella more like a six-year-old who she is tasked with, like, hanging out with at a family get-together. So she, like, acts really nice and pretends to care about what she's doing um, and might like to, like, dress her up or something. But really, she just thinks Bella's kind of cute, mostly annoying, and often too old to be pulling the dumb shit that she's pulling. Yeah, so so Alice is, like, Bella's like, yeah, why didn't you see Jacob pulling me out of the water? Um, and Alice is like, I don't know, but if Jacob pulled you out of the water, how did he survive the current if you couldn't? And Alice clearly doesn't buy Bella's defense of, like, he's just really strong. Um, and so then Bella, fucking terrible at keeping secrets, is like, actually it's because he's a werewolf. Yeah, so Alice, uh, says that explains, she's like, well, that explains why you smell like shit. Um, but I'm not sure if it explains, uh, seeing, not seeing Jacob pull her out of the water. In her vision. No, I don't know how you felt reading this, but I thought it seemed pretty fucking obvious that the vampires don't, vampire powers, like, don't work on werewolves. Which makes sense, because werewolves literally, like, existed to be specifically made to be, like, natural predators of 
the vampires. Yeah, like, I also, like, I, this also made me wonder, like, and I don't remember what the canon is around this, but, like, I don't know if Edward's mind reading works on the werewolves. Um, I don't think it does. Well, I know that he has been able to read Jacob's thoughts in the past. Like, you remember, he wasn't like, when a Jacob werewolf, showed yeah. up and crashed prom? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so now, now that Jacob's face, I wonder if Edward's powers would work on him, and I'm sure we'll find out, uh, eventually. But anyway, so... Alice I God, I hope not. Ew, ew, I really hope not. I don't want ever to be able to hear, like, uh, Jacob's, like, sexual thoughts about his about daughter. daughter. Yeah, not great. Um, so anyway, uh, Alice is pretty upset about the fact that Bella's best friend is a werewolf. Um, she particularly is mad that he's a young werewolf, um, because she's like, he doesn't have control of himself, like, he could save and hurt you. And she's like, Bella, why are you this, like, magnet for monstrous danger? So Bella hastily tries to explain that it's actually all super great and totally chill because the Quileute pack saved her from Laurent and is now protecting her from Victoria. And this is the first that Alice has heard of the other vampires, so she understandably goes totally apeshit. And Bella's like, no, it's fine. Let me just tell you everything that's happened since you left because Alice is clearly not aware of any of it, which, again, makes no narrative sense because if Alice... It's involuntarily seeing Bella's future when she's in danger. Why did she not also see her talking to those random dudes in Port Angeles or riding motorcycles or having a depressive episode or Laurent and Victoria mm-hmm. trying to murder her? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Especially if it's just the idea that it's just people she's, like, attuned to. How would she not have been attuned to, like, Laurent or Victoria? Because or, she had been focusing on them. she did see these things, why did she choose not to intervene? Like, why would you wait until the moment that Bella threw herself off the cliff to be like, maybe now I have to go do something? I have to say that I really do not understand Alice's reaction to this at all. And I'm going to get to it in a minute. We can talk about it then. But, like, because I know I'm going to, like, it comes up again. But, like, it really... Al- I don't understand Alice's motivation or thoughts, and I feel like it's because we've always heard this, everything from Bella's perspective, and Bella's just so fucking oblivious that we viewed Alice as really one-dimensional, as being like, oh, haha, I'm the cute ballerina type. But actually, she's, like, not, like, the personality that we no. think she is at fucking all. No. Um, and I think that's really shown in this scene, when she just sounds like Edward now. Like, before, she really treated Bella like a little fucking doll baby, and now she's like, Bella, you're a fucking adult. Like, yeah. and it's very weird. Um, so, Alice comments that, um, leaving didn't do Bella any good. She's like, it didn't do you any good, did it? And Bella points out that it never really was for her benefit that they left anyway. And Alice doesn't deny this. And I like this exchange because I like that Bella just calling bullshit on the obvious lie that the Coles leaving was ever for anything other than their own benefit. Like, they left because they wanted to, because it was easier for them, and absolved them of guilt, and not because it was actually helpful for Bella. Like, that was just a fucking bullshit of some, like, a fuckboy made up as an excuse to dip when things were harder than he wanted in his relationship. Uh, so she tells Bella that she looks like hell, and, uh, not just immediate sense, she's like, no, like, you look like you were hell deep down inside your soul. And so Bella replies, like, yeah, what the fuck did you expect? Um, so Jacob calls to make sure that Bella's alive, but then immediately hangs up passive-aggressively. And, like, this part was really fun for me. This reminds me of when my uh, ex would call me in the middle of the night when I was with my other partner, say he misses me, and then it'd be like, oh, is your partner there? And I'd be like, yeah, you already know that. And then would hang up um, after asking, even though, again, he knew the answer before he even called. It was so stupid, and it's really stupid when Jacob does it too. Like, and also... What did he want Bella to do? Like, I know that he, I understand why he was upset and just dipped, but like, 
Did he honestly expect Bella not to go home? Or, like, she wasn't just gonna, like, were we just gonna not address the vampire in the house? I think, well, so I actually, I will say that I have a, I maybe have a little bit more sympathy for Jacob in this situation because I, like, he is genuinely concerned about her well-being, um, which Mm -hmm. is why he, like, calls to make sure that she's still alive. But he's also feeling really betrayed that he, like, because he feels once again like she chose the vampires over him. I'm not saying that that feeling is justified. Mm-hmm. Um, or that it's reasonable for him to be passive aggressive in this way, but I think I, I understand why he's like, oh, okay, like I'm actually worried about you and I want to make sure that you're alive, but if you're alive, that means that you chose the vampires over me again. Like, okay, bye. Well, like, I can have sympathy for it, but doesn't make him not be an asshole. No, no, I'm, no, I'm not saying that he's not an asshole. I think I, I understand where he's coming from and also he's an asshole. So, um, anyway, so, so Alice is trying to decide what to do. Um, we have no idea what her fucking options are in her head because she doesn't say anything about it. But she's like, I need to talk to Carlisle, um, insinuating that she should, like, probably leave. Um, and Bella's like, no, oh my god, please don't go, please don't leave me, you can't leave. And so Alice is like, alright, fine. I'll stay the night. Um, I just, like, I need to go hunt first because I'm real fucking hungry and I don't want to eat you because you look like a snack. Yeah, but you smell really bad, so. Um, one thing I have to say is, I feel like whenever I think about this part, I'm always like, I feel like I always have the weird Harry Potter universe rules in my head. So I'm always like, how do they contact each other when they're so far away? Because like, I'm so used to Harry Potter rules where like, we don't have like phones and shit, you know? So if they're far away, they like just have to send like a letter. An owl. And like, an owl. But then I remember, so I'm like, God, like if they're all the way out in Denali, like how are you going to contact them? And it's like, oh, you're just going to call. Yeah. Um, you're just gonna fucking call on your phone so anyway so Bella asks if Edward knows that uh, Alice is here as in in Forks and Alice says no and she explains that Edward uh, has been off on his own and checks in every few months Uh, she says that she was in Denali visiting Tanya's family and that Jasper her like boyfriend um, didn't join her because he doesn't approve of her interfering saying that they promised uh, but trailing off without explaining and you know like this is where I want to get back to what we were talking about before I want to get in and take a moment here to talk about Alice's reaction during all this. Like, she gets all this news about, like, people trying to kill Bella and all this shit happening, and pretty much it's just like, wow, this sounds like a lot, so, uh, I'm gonna dip. Uh, and Alice seems, like, really unperturbed by the fact that the vampire's been trying to murder Bella. Like, she only stays because Bella asks her to, which seems so, so weird given the circumstances. Like, if she cared about Bella dying by, like, a suicide, wouldn't she care about her dying by vampire attack? It doesn't, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. Like, I, I, this is, I think it's important that you point out that her personality totally changes. Like, the writing is so inconsistent. Like, how she shows up in this moment is so reminiscent it really just seems like she's a stand-in for edward but i do want to say this and that is that i actually don't know that the writing is inconsistent i'm actually going to give an argument for stephanie meyer actually being a good writer here are you ready for it i don't know if i am okay so we hear everything from bella's perspective and i think that there's several moments in these two chapters that really show how skewed her uh, perspective is because we get to kind of overhear so, uh we haven't talked about it yet but we're gonna get to overhear a conversation that's just like given to us verbatim where we really get to see that things that bella was thinking before uh she now can come to realize are not the way that things so, actually are so, you so think like that this is like an intentional choice to paint her as an unreliable narrator i think uh 
I think, uh, yes. I, yeah. I think, I don't know if it was like a conscious choice in Stephanie's Meyer had. Like, I don't know if she consciously was like, I'm going to show that Bella's unreliable. But I feel like as Bella has grown, but, uh, Stephanie Meyer has allowed her observations of the world around her to change. So like, I've, and I think also just context has changed. So before Bella was in this happy, romantic thing, um, Alice really didn't have any problems, so she was content just being happy-go-lucky. There wasn't really much going on. Um, but then now that, and, you know, she was just dealing with, and I like to come from the perspective that, like, the rest of the Cullen family, like, as an adult, I didn't think this is a child or a teenager. I think about this now. I think the actual, the rest of the Cullen family is like, oh, God, Edward's just with this fucking human girl. We just got to deal with it. She'll be dead in 80 years. Who cares? Like, <laughs> you know, he'll be bored of her and he'll be bored of her in less than that. So, like, I don't think Allison was actually Bella's friend. I think Bella just thought that she was. And because she acted like it. Because we've seen time and again that Alice can be kind of a fake petty bitch. Yeah. Um, she can be really manipulative. I think, I actually think that that's a really interesting perspective, but, like, so Alice I think that actually nice. Alice was nice to Bella for Edward's sake, and now that and for her own entertainment, yeah, honestly, so she that, treated Bella like a doll. She did, and so now that Bella's not actually in, in like a like a meaningful part of her life anymore, she is disengaged from her. I think that's really that's really interesting. I like that perspective a lot. Um, I think it's really good. I think it's actually really good storytelling from that uh, standpoint. I, I have a really, I have a really hard time giving Stephanie Meyer the credit for having done that on purpose, but I think it's, I think it's okay. Yeah, but I feel like that's the story of New Moon. The story of New Moon is Stephanie Meyer accidentally stumbles into a lot of really good shit that's really compelling and should have been what she stuck with the rest of the series, and then undoes it. Yeah. And that actually, the elements of this book. Like, on their own. Like, the actual plot, the actual, like, elements of this book could be a really good book in the hands of a different author. Whereas I feel like the elements of the first book could not be good in anyone's hands. Oh, what happened next? Um, so Charlie comes home. And, yeah, so Charlie comes home from the hospital where his friend has died. Um... So Bella spends like one single minute acting like she gives a shit about Charlie and Harry and his family and like her friends and family friends and then goes right back to can, hanging out with can Alice. You, can you imagine coming home from the hospital after one of your closest friends dies to find your daughter's ex-boyfriend's sister whose whole family fucking ghosted the entire town like six months ago in your including fucking one living of whom, room? Including one of whom was a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. A very good doctor. Yeah. So, like, of course, in a small town. And, just, and and honestly, to Charlie's credit, he's a really great sport about it. He's like, yes, Alice, of course you can stay. It actually might be nice for Bella to have company. I have a lot to do to plan my friend's funeral. But like, damn, like, Bella, yes, please babysit my maybe, child. Maybe not the time, Bella. Maybe not the time. Yeah, but Bella basically goes, uh huh, uh huh. Very sad about all the death, but Dad. Look who's here! It's Alice! Meanwhile, Alice is, like, so embarrassed. Because, again, I think that Alice truly thinks of, like, Bella as an embarrassing child. Because she's basically, like, she's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I did, I should not have shown up at a time like this. Like, I'm so sorry for your loss. Please, I don't want to intrude. Like, I don't need to stay here. Like, I just, what can I do for you, Charlie? Like, and Bella's just like, Dad, it's Alice! Alice! So Bella goes to sleep. 
And upon waking, he uh, overhears Charlie and Alice talking. Um, and Charlie is explaining to Alice, because Alice is like, giving me straight, Charlie, how bad was it? And so he's uh, explaining everything that has happened after they left, which is the first we hear of October, November, December, January. So, so just to summarize. Yeah, so like, like, like let, me, let me just sum it up here for us. So first I want to say, it breaks my goddamn heart to hear Charlie talk about how helpless he felt during those four months. Like he, yeah, he literally says he was like, "I thought I might have to hospitalize her the first week after you all left." Like he says, he mm-hmm. like the doctor was throwing around words like catatonic, which, for the record, I know that catatonic is a word that we might hear people sort of like throw around loosely, but actually diagnosing somebody as being catatonic is a very serious diagnosis, and so. Mm-hmm. Like, it it is, that really, I think, speaks to the gravity of Bella's, like, total lack of any kind of response to stimuli. But then Charlie's, like... Because they did describe it, because they were, like, she wasn't eating, she wasn't moving, she She wasn't wasn't reacting to the world around her. She wasn't reacting to anything. Yeah, and so, and and then Charlie says, yeah, I didn't let the doctor come see her because I was afraid it would scare her. What, what, what kind of fucking reasoning? What? What? I assume that he meant that he was afraid that, like... She would get spooked and like hurt herself, but I, I and I think I also people. That. That's how I read it, and I also think that I think he thought that having a doctor around, like um, pathologizing her, would make her feel worse and like make be more harmful than good. Because I think really that generous read. Because <laughs> I well, I I guess I took it from a perspective of like people who I know who are from more rural areas and a lot of them have like distrust for doctors um but especially like in a mental health from a mental health standpoint well so the the wildest thing that we learn maybe so far in this book quite honestly um is that a week into bella's catatonia charlie called renee Charlie called. Yeah, this blew my mind. Charlie called Bella's mother, who lives in Florida, and told her to come to Forks and take Bella home. He was like, I don't know what to do. She's so upset. I think she needs to not be in Forks anymore. So Renee flew to Forks, and they started packing up her stuff. And Charlie was like, as soon as she saw that we were packing her stuff, she threw like a full blown tantrum. Like she snapped out of scary. Like, she snapped out of the dissociative state. She was, like, she was yelling. She was saying we couldn't make her leave. She was throwing her stuff back around the room. Like, can you imagine how upsetting this would be for everyone involved? Like, it's just every, like, please, please, Swan family, go to therapy. Family therapy. Family Family therapy. therapy. Family therapy for the Swan family. And also, why is this the first fucking time we're hearing about this? Why did it take 370 pages? Because we only hear from Bella's perspective, and Bella has been suppressing this because Bella's favorite thing to do is suppress things. So she's just like, I don't think about that time period. That yeah. time period doesn't fucking exist in my life. So, because Bella's so good at compartmentalizing, it's wild. Yeah, no, Bella's Bella's avoidance causes her all kinds of problems. And and so yeah, so so Charlie is telling Alice about Bella's depressive episode, about the isolation, about the anhedonia, about the night terrors. Which like, can you explain what it. that means for people? Oh, um, anhedonia is like the the lack of ability to feel joy or pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, God. So anyways, this was just a lot. So this is already a lot. 
And then uh, Charlie talks with Jacob on the next page. Because this was all just like on one page. And then the next page is mostly about Jacob, not exclusively. But there's just so much to unpack. Like, I barely know where to begin. So I'm just going to try to go in order. See if I can get a plot by plot point. So Charlie makes it clear that he's like, all of this was Edward's fault. Um, so just saying it, your brother kind of sucks. Um, but not in so many words. Charlie comments that Jacob, uh, she... He's like, well, she's been hanging out with Jacob's got better since then. He's a year or so younger uh, than Bella. Uh, and while Bella originally saw him as a friend, I think, you know, they might be turning into something more. Which is kind of funny that he's been paying that much attention and commenting on it. But also, before, we were led to believe that Charlie really was not... Like, Bella thought that Charlie had no idea what was going on in her life at all. This whole scene shows that Charlie is much more aware than we actually think that he is. And that she is a really and unreliable she, narrator. And she even says something to the to the effect of, like, wow, I really didn't fool him at all. Like, she really yeah. thought that she had been, like, able to present... Which is a, Like, that she was keeping it together. Which is a neat bit of narrative, like, uh, character from, uh, Stephanie Meyer. Like, she really does paint Bella as, yeah. like, a unreliable narrator. Like, actually, truly, you can see that that, this is intentional. Yeah. Which is, like, props to you. Good, that, you know, this is why you were, you know, you have, Stephanie Meyer has to have enough good things to make it so these books were palatable to all of yeah. us. And, like, these are the things that she actually does well. We have to give her props where, where they're due. So, um, he says that Jacob is old for his years, like, as an excuse for, like, him being with Bella, which is uncomfortable. And I really wish that people would stop forcing Jake to be older than he is. And also, like, I'm sorry, but I don't really think an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old need to be explained that hard. Like, they're not that far apart. It's not that weird. 18-year-olds 18 and 16-year-olds date each other fairly often. If he was, if she was any older, like, she wasn't still in high school, but she's still in high school. Like, they go to the same school. They don't go to the same school. Oh, they don't. Well, they hang out literally every... Well, yeah. they could. They could go to the they same school. Um, like, they're the you same age. You don't know him. He goes to a different school. <laughs> you don't... Yeah. For real, actually. So, um, but he explains this by saying he's taking care of his father physically, but that Bella took care of her mother emotionally, which is some confirmation about the skewed-ass boundaries yeah, like, that we've discussed uh, again, having in the past. Again, I think that Bella thinks that, like, people don't notice that she, like, takes, that she's been parentified and, like, takes care of Renee and Charlie's like, no, we all knew. Yeah, so, yeah, that's real as fuck. So, Charlie lets on that he's, just, as we said, just a lot more aware here than we previously thought he was, which I guess, again, like I said, it's just good writing because we get everything from Bella's perspective and she's just, and honestly, Bella is completely fucking oblivious. And then, the last bit of information that happens at the very bottom of this page is that, uh, or no, I think it's on the next page. We turn the page, we're like, what else is he gonna say about Jacob? Turn page. Ah, Jacob's a hottie. Like, that's canon, baby. Like, he literally is like, Jacob's quite a good looker. You know? He's real hot, where too. He, where does he say that? Because I looked for it. I, I tweeted it. it. I tweeted it. I think it's the top of, like, 378 or something. Let me find it. Oh, yeah. He's a good-looking kid, too. Takes after his mom's side. I found it. It's at the top of 398. Um, Which, like, what's the history between Charlie and, and, um, Jacob's, Billy, mom. and Jacob's mom? Yeah, Billy's Do you think that, that, like, because... Charlie's lived here his whole life. Do you think they were almost a thing? I don't know, man. Um, but yeah. So oh, where's... Ooh, I gotta write... I'm gonna write fan fiction about this. Um, so Charlie... Charlie says to Alice that he's like... If I write I, fanfic, it's going on the Patreon. Um, so Charlie says to Alice, he's like, it's not like she went through a breakup. It was like someone died. 
And Bella, who is eavesdropping, thinks to herself, and I quote, it was like someone had died, like I had died, because it had been more than just losing the truest of my true loves, as if that were not enough to kill anyone. It was also losing a whole future, a whole family, the whole life that I'd chosen. Bitch, you were together for six months. Six months. Mm -hmm. Also, what the fuck do you mean? As if that were enough to kill anyone. People get through breakups. Like, yes. People are are just dying left and right. Trust me. I know. But breakups don't end in ego death. They don't. (laughs) I promise. Also, what is this like, oh, I lost the whole life that I had chosen? You didn't choose anything, I swear to God. Well, she like tried to choose. Edward was just like. Nah. Well, and okay, and so the other thing about this that really fucks me up is the fact that she's like making this whole metaphor. She's like, it was like somebody died. I had died. And to specifically say this immediately after someone has actually died, like Bella, <laughs> you self centered, dumbass bitch. I hate you so much. God, that's so true. Like, I didn't even think about, I did think about that part, but I like, I, I remember being like, someone did just die, but I was like, not thinking about it. <laughs> focusing on as much because I was so distracted by all the other things that were going on. But, like, Bella is just so incredibly self-absorbed and self-aggrandizing about her relationship. And, like, yes, as you said, this sentiment is also just so damaging to Hughes, like, normalizing that losing a true love is enough to kill someone as if we don't matter enough on our own. This is why I was such a dramatic fucking bitch about relationships as a teenager, because I thought that this was a reasonable level of emotion to feel. Also, explicit information that Bella, uh, in Bella's head, this loss is so much larger than just a love portion, which I'm actually glad that we acknowledged this out loud. I think we might have acknowledged it out loud once before, but I know that you and I have talked about it. Because it actually was, even though this whole, like, I chose it, God, it was this whole life, and, and she is exaggerating it. At least in her mind, it's more understandable why she's so upset, even if I think it's ridiculous and maladaptive that she is this upset. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so Charlie says that he's not sure that Belle will ever get over Edward leaving, and that he's worried about what Alice's visit will do to her. And Alice is, Alice is like, yeah, I wouldn't have come if I had known how bad it was. Um, and they both express, which is kind of shitty, <laughs> but also good. Um, but they both express... Uh, hope that maybe it'll end up being good for her and Charlie asks about Edward clearly worried that he's going to come back and undo all of Bella's slow work and healing and Alice says that she doesn't know or that he doesn't know that she's there um, and that the last time they spoke he was in South America probably hunting mountain lions or whatever is native there uh, and gets him hard so yeah, yeah. and and Charlie says like Charlie sort of is like yeah well uh, I hope he's enjoying himself and Alice's voice like takes on this hard tone and she's like Charlie uh, I wouldn't make assumptions about how Edward is feeling so again here's another clue as to what Edward might be experiencing emotionally but I gotta tell you I don't fucking care I don't fucking care I just, I just, I just don't care like I, frankly my dear I don't give a I fucking give, damn I like, don't give any damn about Edward Cullen. so anyway Charlie leaves um to keep helping with funeral prep because once again his friend has just died um, he's a very close friend yeah yeah and and so while he's gone alice gives bella the rundown of what all the cullens have been doing since they left with, with one uh, important omission um and so here's what we learned from alice carlisle is working nights in ithaca and teaching part-time at cornell so i guess i guess that we find out that they're in new york um uh, Esme has been restoring a 17th century house in the forest north of the city. 
I guess. Which I think is the first we hear of Esme, like, having a career or hobbies. No, she she has a hobby. Um, She loves to referee vampire baseball. <laughs> and vampire basketball. When and vampire. In the basketball. Basketball. Um, so, okay, yeah, so, so she's doing that. Emma and Rosalie went on another honeymoon to Europe for a couple of months. Um, Jasper is studying philosophy at Cornell, and Alice has spent all this time, like, on a personal quest, uh, to find out information about her life before she was a vampire. Yes, Um, which is really interesting, but I'm not going to talk about it at all, because we just don't have time. It's, we just don't have the time. But I think it will be, we will talk about it on the Orange Bros Patreon when we eventually get our cut content up there. So if you want to hear us talk about it, it's actually really fascinating, uh, listen to that. So on the third day, Alice is there, um, like... So two nights later, um, Charlie presumably goes to the push for Harry's funeral, which Bella like doesn't go to, and no one even suggests she goes it's to, so which strange. I think is really fucking weird. Like, and it, and at first I was like, oh, is he going to the funeral? Like, why would he be going to the funeral without Bella? But he comes downstairs in a suit, and then the the the, the title of the next chapter is funeral, so it's very clear that what's going on, and Bella's just like not going, which seems really disrespectful. It's super disrespectful. Yeah. She's just like, I'm gonna hang out with my friend. And she, like, doesn't even, like, do any, like, I don't understand. She's not even, like, caring at all about the fact that her, like, all of her other loved ones are, like, really going through really it right now. Going through something, yeah. So, anyways, so Bella just goes about doing chores around the house, kind of, like, as an act of service for Charlie, or that's what she claims it is. And Alice, like, doesn't even pretend to help. She, which, again... Just makes me believe that she doesn't actually give a shit about Bella, and she's just hanging around because she feels kind of guilty. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I can't really leave this kid alone. Like, I have to babysit this child for Charlie. She so might throw to- herself off a fucking cliff. I literally think, I literally think that Alice is not staying for Bella. I think because Al- Alice, Alice came. Alice came to Forks because she was worried about how Charlie was going to handle things. Mm-hmm. I truly think that Alice feels, like, really likes Charlie, feels kind of bad for him, and is like, I'm going to come babysit your daughter. Yeah. I'm going to stay and babysit your daughter while you deal with this funeral, but once you're done with that, I'm going to I'm gonna leave. Yeah, I think that tracks. Um, so, uh, Bella's catching her up on all the hot high school goths or whatever uh, and eventually the doorbell rings and Alice perplexed uh, for just like a second is like oh I better step out and uh, Bella's like why and she's like well if my lack of foresight lately uh, lately means anything there's likely a werewolf at that door is probably your friend Jacob yeah and um, and, the, and so then Bella gets really like weirdly uncomfortably defensive she's like you don't have to leave you should just stay it's not a big deal and then she says you were here first which is incredibly fucking rich, considering that the Cooley are literally indigenous to the land and the Cullens showed up out of nowhere to fuck up their lives, but whatever, I digress. So Alice says again, she's like, no, trust me, you're not gonna want me and Jacob in a room together. And then she kisses on the Bella, she kisses on the Bella, she kisses on the Bella. She kisses on the Bella on her cheek. Uh, and just like dips out a window, the favorite color, the favorite way for everyone to enter her door because Jacob, Edward, and uh, Alice now have canonically entered through her window uh, or exited. And then the doorbell rings again and the chapter ends. So, what was your favorite part? Oh my god, I think that we touched on it briefly, but once again, Bella apparently, while Alice is gone hunting, keeps herself busy by showering, which is how I was reminded that when Alice arrived at her house, she was still in the fucking clothes that Jacob pulled her out of the ocean in. 
Like, and she, she didn't still... say, hey, can I quick change? No, she was, like, still in her wet ocean clothes. I thought Alice would have showered with her. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, what else? Anyways. Happened? What's your favorite My part? favorite part was on page... Page. 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 I want. I need to. As a promo for this episode, I should just find every time I mispronounce a word and just put it all, cut it all together. Um. So page three eighty four, it says, and I quote: "Her voice imitated his so perfectly that I froze in shock while the pain ripped through my torso." It is so fucking funny to picture Alice being able to sound so much like Edward that it would freak Bella out. Like that's how. It's like listening to, like, some really good comedian do imitations. Or, like, is this, like, a vampire power? Like, I'm picturing it as someone in a cartoon. Like, when someone in a cartoon's, like, doing an impression of a different character, but the other voice actor who does that character <laughs> just takes over. That's what I'm picturing it. Like, just so comically exact. And I'm also imagining, like, this happening in the movie. And then it's just, like, the actress who plays uh, Alice has her voice dubbed over by Robert Pattinson. Right. That's really good. I hope that's what they do. Um, well... That's it for this here episode yeah. of Summer Twilight Book Club. Um, it's been a long one. It's been another truly chaotic episode. So thank you so much for listening. Um, please rate and review us on iTunes. Um, we love reading your reviews. They bring us joy. Um, so please do that if you have a moment. Also follow us on Twitter at STBC Podcast for some truly excellent Twilight content. Yeah, and also Patreon.com slash STBC Podcast is where you can find us and give us money for being funny. Yeah. Um, and also yeah. smart and also hot and also good at social work. Yeah. So if you want to give us money We're, for any we, of those things. We are all of those things. We'll give you some content in exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it was already like a good trade. Just like giving us money for nothing was really good for you. But, um, but you get something but, out of it, which is pretty nice. So Yeah, something tangible. Um, so also check out the other great shows in the Orange Groves. Uh, we're so lucky to be at a network with a bunch of amazing people. Uh who I love many of them very dearly. So give them a listen. Um, I personally have been listening to 294 Note Streak the past few days. Have you listened to it at all, Savannah? I have not. Is that the guitar you It's so good. Um, it is a podcast where uh, Riley and Joe and sometimes guests, uh, including Chris and Jory, so obviously great. And I want to be on it so fucking badly. Um, but anyways, though, they are going through a bracket of every Guitar Hero song. That's really good. That's really, really good. Oh, boy. It is I, so, so I, good. I, I listen to podcasts while I dog walk. Um, so listen. That's, that's listen. really good. I'm really Start excited. from anywhere. I'm, it's so good. I'm so excited. Um, yeah. Um, Chris, the most recent episode is Chris, so it's pretty, so I obviously like it. And also, Chris defends Metallica a lot, which is funny. Chris loves Metallica. That's a fun fact about Chris. Um, anyways. So, <laughs> so anyways, uh, fucking I'm losing my mind over how good it is. Listen to it, do it, uh, or else. Um, also, as I've kind of mentioned several times in this, um, I'm on a mission to guess on as many podcasts as possible. Um, get cat on your podcast. Uh, I'll think of a better hashtag, like cat Hashtag on, get cat. Cat on podcast. Uh, cat on cast. Cat on cast. Cat on cast. Uh, hashtag cat hashtag. on cast. <laughs> hashtag cat on cast um get me on your podcast on every podcast um if you have a podcast and want me to guest on it chances are i will say yes if i can make the scheduling work and i will fucking move shit around and make it work hit me up at absolina that is at e-p-s-i-l-i-n-a on twitter even if you don't want me to guest on your podcast you can still hit me up i'm just chilling uh it's great thank you so much um well that is all until next time babies we love you see you later goodbye Bye, babies.